Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology today. I am so thankful you're here with us. We're in one of my favorite subjects, an exciting subject of Biblical Archaeology, and it is the preservation of the Bible, and specifically the Masoretic text. Now, we've already gone through in a couple of lessons about the pre-Masorites and the people who were preserving scripture used by God from the time of Ezra on down. You had a few different classifications of those good folks, such as the Sophirim, the scribes, the Zugoth, the pairs of scribes, the Tanaim, the repeaters or the teachers, and then come the Masoretes. So let's look at the preservation of the text integrity. We're using as a textbook popular handbook of archaeology in the Bible by Holden and Geisler. I use this as a textbook for Christian evidence at Indiana Bible College and recommend everybody get it. It's just wonderful. So on pages 23 and 24, and I've just got so many things underlined, notes out to the side. Let's hope we can make heads or tails of it. <laughs> All right. So, subsequent generations of Masoretes further developed the existing apparatus far beyond the marginal notes and the separate volumes and handbooks of detailed observations of the biblical text. So, this is a gradual thing. They were just enormously concerned with transmitting the text, you know, 100%. And uh, gradually, to fulfill those aims, they got first letter, last letter, middle letter, number of letters on each page, if there was ever any variation, they just burned the whole manuscript, basically, or put it in a giza, which is like a mausoleum for old manuscripts. Um, so let's keep going here. During the 5th and 6th centuries AD, it is believed the Masoretes, having standardized the Hebrew text, systematically and completely destroyed all the manuscripts that did not agree with their vocalization system and standardization. And that would be the vowel points. Now, of course, they did not destroy the Dead Sea Scrolls, and many of the Dead Sea Scrolls are Masoretic. Lord willing, I do intend on doing, through the help of God, a podcast or a series of podcasts on the uh, identity of the Dead Sea Scrolls and the different textual basis for them all. Get information on that on the internet. And I may have done a couple of videos on that on YouTube under New Life of Albany, Georgia. So let's keep going. When scribes made errors while copying a manuscript or when errors were discovered in manuscripts, they were immediately destroyed, which we already mentioned. Also, even when accurate manuscripts eventually began to deteriorate, leaving portions of the text tattered, they were also destroyed. Now, that's a question I get. What should you do with old Bibles? Um... You know, people say, what do you do with old flag? Do you burn it or do you bury it? And, uh, man, I have such a difficult time burning a Bible. Um, I would suggest just <laughs> maybe burying it in something good or giving it away or something. But anyhow, this was for the purpose of preventing erroneous and partial manuscripts from circulating. Now, evidence for the integrity of the Masoretic text can also be found in the comparison of duplicate passages within the Masoretic text itself. For example, Psalm 14 occurs again in Psalm 53, 
Much of Isaiah 36 through 38 or 39 is found in 2 Kings 18 through 20. Isaiah 2, 2 through 4 parallels Micah 4, 1 through 3. And extensive portions of the Chronicles are found in Samuel in the book of Kings. Further examination of these texts and others show substantial textual agreement, as well as in some cases an almost word-for-word -word identity. So the witness of the Septuagint, that's a whole other subject. The Greek translation of the Old Testament is perhaps the best evidence for the reliability of the Masoretic text. The Septuagint was translated during the 3rd and 2nd centuries B.C. in Alexandria, Egypt. At least that's what we think. That's really, that's the letter of Aristides, which is legendary, but not necessarily accurate. A comparison of the two texts reveals only common stylistic and idiomatic differences. Moreover, it was the Septuagint Bible that Jesus' apostles possessed. And it was from this Bible that the New Testament authors primarily drew their quotes. That again is supposition. That is not definitive. And I'm trying to read a marginal note I've written, and I am unsuccessful in that. <laughs> but uh, the Septuagint Bible in the 3rd, 2nd century B.C. closely par parallels the Masoretic text, dating to the 10th century A.D., thus confirming the faithful and accurate transmission of Old Testament scriptures in the Masoretic text. So you can see that God had his hand of preservation on the Bible. He used human instrumentation just like he did to inspiration. Inspiration without preservation is nonsensical. He inspired it and lost it. No, he inspired it and then it was used around the world. And he raised up people to make sure there's faithful texts, just like he does today. So God bless you. Thank you for being with us. We're going to be looking at the incredible attention to detail of the Masoretes and the Masoretic text tomorrow. Hope you'll join us. Invite your friends, family, neighbors, church family, Sunday school classes. Love to have them along as well. We love you and God bless you. Please subscribe. Leave us a five-star review and uh, almost said hit the bell notification, but that's our YouTube channel. <laughs> God bless. We'll talk with you later. And don't forget our playlist. Listen to our playlist as well. God bless. Bye-bye.